Hey, Mel. Bri here. Gotta work from home today because the whole family caught a nasty... Daddy! Hey, Mikey! If you're gonna puke, find the popcorn bowl! But my availability is 110%. Coincidentally, so is my fever. <laughs> Kidding. Mel, I'm so cold but hot. Uh, but I'm gonna get you that budget. Just as soon as... Right. Mikey! Popcorn bowl! Press 1 to use Instacart and get your family's sick day essentials delivered in as fast as 30 minutes. Press 2 to keep working. Do not press 2. Just use Instacart. Brian. This season, we are talking about nothing to prove. It is a whole different way to live, and we're all craving it. Let's go. This is Made for This Podcast. Hey guys, welcome to season eight of the Made for This podcast. Before we get into Jenny's teaching today, I wanna make sure you know about a couple resources that we have created for you to dive deeper into these next 12 weeks. If you're looking for a summer book club to do with friends, neighbors, invite a few people over, we made a nothing to prove book club kit just for you. You can download it for free at JennyAllen.com. That's J-E-N-N-I-E Allen.com. And you can download that PDF, get a copy of Nothing to Prove book, and walk through the podcast with us. We made it super simple. So even if you've never done this before, all you have to do is follow the instructions, gather your people, maybe get some snacks, and use this opportunity to go a little bit deeper with some people in your life. So again, go download Nothing to Prove book club kit at JennyAllen.com. And I will put all the info in the show notes as well. Okay, you ready? Here's Jenny for episode one of Nothing to Prove. Nothing to Prove was a project that I spent a couple years of my life on a few years ago. And it was so important to me because I would say it was a life message. Several of my books are messages that I see in the world that need to happen. Get out of your head, nothing to prove, and anything are all messages that came from within my life, just huge swaths of time and seasons of life that I was wrestling with these concepts personally. And nothing to prove is in that same category. And I feel like the timing and the reason we chose to re-release the Bible study this summer and to focus on this this season is because we're kind of all re-entering the world right now. And it feels overwhelming. It feels like there is the hamster wheel is spinning again and do we hop on and and can we slow it down and how much do we do and why do I feel so anxious still and why is it exhausting to do you know half of what I was doing before COVID? I don't know all the answers to that. I think there are some real tensions to the season and time that we live in right now that I don't completely have the answers to. But what I do know is that these timeless truths that I processed years ago, and maybe some of you have already read the book, these truths will apply to our lives today, right now. I was actually driving earlier today, and it's the week of my daughter's birthday, and I am just a little bit frazzled with a lot of changes and people needing things from me. And heading into summer where all my kids are home and there's just a lot happening. And and I wistfully had this thought of, I miss quarantine. <laughs> I miss the simplicity of being home together with no schedule and no one expecting us to do anything. Now that's hysterical because we all were suffering through quarantine and we were so miserable. So I had to quickly remind myself of that. But the principles we're going to talk about are some of the reasons it's difficult for us as our lives start to pick up and as the engagements and invitations and pressures begin to pick up in our lives as well. 
And so what I want to talk about is I want to get to the core of what it is that makes us feel anxiety with our relationships, with our to-do lists, with our overwhelming you know, desire to, to live on purpose or to have lives that matter. There's, there's a pressure and anxiety, a drum that kind of beats in the distance that we want to turn off. But if we turn it off, then we know we're just going to become lazy and, and checked out and apathetic. And God has a different way. He has a way for us to do the work, but he promises us this. He says that the yoke that I'm asking you to carry, there is a yoke, right? We are going to get up under something and we're going to plow. We're going to do the work. But that yoke is easy and the burden is light. (laughs) And that is a mind-blowing thought, a mind-blowing thought, because we're all craving purpose. We're all craving our little place to, to tend and to care for. It's why quarantine felt a little bit helpless for those of us that weren't on the front lines out working and helping people. We do want a purpose. We do want a burden. We do want to be strapped in next to God and accomplishing things for him. But we want to do it in such a way that there's peace and patience and kindness and self-control and joy rising up in our lives. And that's what I pray for all of us in the season. But there is an enemy <laughs> and he loves to strike at the very places where we could find the most freedom in walking with Jesus. He likes to strike at the intimacy that we have with Jesus. He likes to strike at the purpose that Jesus gives us and the people that he's put in our lives. He likes to kill, steal, and destroy the very things that are meant to be accomplished and also cause thriving and joy to rise up in our lives. I wrote this for nothing to prove, and it has actually been such an encouragement to me because, and I think about it very often because I do see different seasons in my life, the enemy comes at me in different ways. And so I'm gonna read this, and I want you to think about as I read it, Where is the enemy coming for you? It's called, If I Were Your Enemy. If I were your enemy, this is what I would do. I would make you believe that you need permission to lead. Make you believe that you are helpless. Make you believe you are insignificant. Make you believe that God wants your decorum and behavior. And for years, these lies have been sufficient to shut down most of the church. But now, honestly, a lot of you are awake. You're in the word, you're on your knees, and God is moving through you. And you're starting to get dangerous. You are free and you are leading other people to freedom. And those old lies are no longer adequate. So if I were your enemy, I would make you numb and distract you from God's story. Technology, social media, Netflix, travel, food, wine, comfort. I wouldn't tempt you with notably bad things or you would get suspicious. But then you would love comfort more than surrender and obedience and souls. Now, if that didn't work, I would attack your identity. I would make you believe that you have to prove yourself. Then you would focus on yourself instead of God. Friends would become enemies. You would get depressed and be ungrateful for your story. Or you would compare and believe that you're better than others. You would judge people who need God. You would condemn them rather than love them and invite them in. And if that didn't work, I would intoxicate you with the mission of God rather than God himself. Then you would worship a cause instead of Jesus. You would burn out from striving. You would think that success is measured by the results that you see. You would build platforms for applause rather than to display God. And if that didn't work, I would make you suffer. 
then maybe you would think God is evil rather than good. Your faith would shrink. You would get bitter and weary and tired rather than flourish and grow and become more like Christ. You would try to control your life rather than step into the plans that he has for you. The enemy is telling you that freedom is only found in finally proving to yourself and to the world that you are important, that you are in control, that you are liked, that you are happy, that you are enough. This is the war that we find ourselves in. There is an enemy. He is real. He is alive and he hates us. And he has, he has set into motion temptations that, that would strangle out our faith and our hope and our confidence and our courage. And then replace all that with this lie and this narrative that, that tells us that we have to be a part of a story that is built around the central character. And the central character is us right? That, that you are the central character of the story, that I am the central character of the story. And, and that eventually, if we hit some expectation, an invisible line that keeps moving, if we finally hit that line someday, somehow, then we would arrive at a place where we feel like we are enough and what we do is enough and how we live is enough and our status of our family or lack thereof is enough. And, and we keep chasing things on this earth that never, ever satisfy us. The next 12 weeks, we're going to be walking through Jesus's life in the book of John. And the reason we're going to do that is because what Jesus did is, number one, of course, he was the, the son of God that came to die for our sins so that we could be reconciled with God forever. Big deal right? This is a huge part of Jesus's life, but he could have done that at a younger age. He stayed for 33 years because he wanted to show us what it looked like to walk with God, his father. He modeled, he didn't just provide the means to salvation. He modeled how we would live out our lives while we were here. There used to be a bracelet. I'm sure they still exist. In fact, I think one of my kids might wear one called WWJD, What Would Jesus Do? And if you've not seen The Chosen yet, I would really, really encourage you to watch both seasons of that. It is so powerful because what The Chosen does such a great job of, and it's an app, you can download it, look it up. Uh, millions and millions of people around the world are watching it right now. So powerful. And it's a portrayal of Jesus. And what I love about it is he is so likable and yet fierce. He's clear and he's courageous. He is unmovable in a sense of this is what I'm called to do, but he's also unmovable in his love. And what you see when you watch The Chosen is what you see throughout the scriptures, which is gosh, this God was so different than, than the Old Testament. This is a, a portrayal of the love of God, the tenderness of God, and the example of a way to live that is so different than the angry judgment that you see in the Old Testament towards those who don't believe. He actually went after those who didn't believe, and he built bridges to people that were unlikely, and he had relationships with the most notable sinners in almost every town that he stopped and visited. So you see a God who comes after the broken and in fact even says, I came for the sick, not the well. <laughs> I didn't come for the religious that think they have all the answers. I came for those that know they need help, that know they need God. And this idea of a dependent relationship with God is, is so evident in the life of Jesus. A dependent walk with his father 
And that is what he modeled for us. And that is how we are to live as well. So we're going to look at his life and we're going to just specifically look at the example. We're going to look at six different moments where Jesus interacted with people in a way that shocked everybody. Now, all of this is based on two resources that we want you to get. There's a choice. You can get the book or you can get the Bible study. The the Bible study comes with videos and cards. It's re-releasing right now because we wanted to put it in a format that that worked well with the book and so and also make it a little bit more affordable. So we re-released the study, Nothing to Prove. It used to be called Proven and now it is Nothing to Prove and it goes with the book, but we also built a book club guide. You can download if you just want to, if you're a reader and just want to do a book club for the summer, we have both options for you. So both work together and both also work separately. So we have built out lots of different ways for you to experience this. And you can find all of these resources at jennyallen.com. So let's start with this first moment, John 7, 37 through 38. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now, this scripture takes place with a woman, you may have heard this story, at a well that had been chasing men, actually, and significance through relationships with different men. And he calls it out. He, he names what she's doing. She doesn't tell him. He prophetically says, this is what you've been doing. I know it. And then he builds this relationship with her and has this incredible conversation with her. And he promises her, you don't have to keep running after the things that you have thought in the past would make you happy. You also don't have to run to shame because she had made so many mistakes. In fact, she was living with a man right there at that time and they were not married. And so she had a lot of shame. She actually came to the well in the middle of the day and he said, hey, you don't have to chase love on earth and you don't have to chase and be defined by shame and your worst decisions. I'm actually going to give you a water. They're standing at a well, mind you. Um, I'm going to give you a water that causes you to never thirst. You don't have to keep coming back to it. In fact, this water, he says, is going to spring up and out of your heart. It says out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. So this is the promise that Jesus makes to the Samaritan woman. It's the promise he makes to you and me. When we find our significance and our position and our identity and everything that we're chasing in Jesus, our hearts are fulfilled. Now, why is that so hard? Go back to the beginning of the podcast. There is an enemy and he is trying to make us search everywhere, but in the one place living water is flowing and found. Because what happens if your life actually is found in Jesus and you wake up in the morning and you have peace and joy and patience and all the fruits of the spirit coming out of you, kindness, goodness, gentleness, what happens around you? People want what you have. I watched my kids do this when they moved to Dallas, my older two, they walked into a new public high school and they both had a relationship with God. And yes, they made mistakes and they weren't perfect, but there was a confidence and a joy in them as they walked into this school. And it was hard. I mean, there was a lot of of pushback and times where they were left out and times where, you know, they were new kids in a huge school with kids that had grown up together. And so, of course, it was very difficult. But I watched this light shine in them. And it's interesting. People were so curious about them because they were so different and they didn't fit in, but they weren't insecure about it. They just had a lot of joy and fun and they celebrated other people. And again, my kids aren't perfect. I'm not trying to make it sound like they they were or they are, but there was in general, 
because they had a real relationship with God and their identity wasn't in the approval of man and all the other people and how they treated them, they actually were okay. I actually set down another one of my kids the other day because this one was wrestling with not getting included to something and, and having a hard time. And I asked him, I said, are you okay? Like, let's think about the times you've been left out and the times you haven't been included. Were you okay? He was like, yeah, I was. And I am. I'm okay. And I said, why? Why are you okay? Even if you get left out, even if you're on the outside of a friend group, even if people are really hateful and mean to you, why are you okay? And he started naming things. He said, because I have you and I have dad and I have my brother and my sisters and because I have God and because those things can't ever be taken away from me and because my life is good and because I'm happy. And he just kept going. It was amazing. I was like, we need to do this every day. I need to do this. And, and I think that's what this is, is there's this steadfast foundation that sits under us. And that foundation actually produces the thing we crave. Jesus knew, hey, you can't live long without water. It's something you can't even live really more than 24, 48 hours with. And so you'll die. <laughs> you know, food, you can live apparently 40 days. He lived in the desert. I, I'd rather not try that. But but apparently you can live pretty long without food, but you can't live without water. And what Jesus promised is, I'll be that water for you. I'll be the thing that meets your needs every day, every hour, every minute. And because I'm meeting your needs, you'll actually be able to give that overflowing water into other people's lives. And it's going to be attractive because they're thirsty too. And they're hopeless too. And they need what you have because of me. And this story is how you know Jesus, if you know him. And if you don't, it's why you're here, because you're thirsty. <laughs> I imagine you you wouldn't click on this podcast just, you know, to to be taught about, you know, there's there's podcasts if you want to learn about almost every other thing. But this one, we're talking about Jesus and we're talking about the scriptures and we're talking about hope and and peace and life and where it's found. And and I imagine if you're here and walking with God, or if you're here and not walking with God, you came because your soul's just a little bit thirsty. And I get that. Even as someone who who walks with Jesus daily and feels like most of those thirsts are met, there's still moments where I feel that twinge of thirst and I remember, oh, I got to go back. I got to go back. Not to my friends, not to my stuff, not to my career, not to even my family, but to my God that never changes and is always there. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these other things will be added to you. That does not mean popularity and necessarily wealth or answers to your, all of your problems, but you will feel peace, patience, kindness, goodness, joy rising up in and out of you. That's the living water. It's the spirit that is filling you and and giving you peace and issuing you things that you can't describe unless you've experienced it candidly putting him first, that surrender is the first thing that we have to do. We have to trust Jesus. We have to say, you know what? I'm tired of building my own life. I'm tired of chasing these things that don't bring me joy. And and this is where you start. And I'm just going to set this here because it's the most important thing you might do in the next 10 years of your life is just to surrender to Jesus. So right now, if you're tired of fighting insecurity, I want you to pray with me this prayer. God, I want you more. I'm tired of chasing things on this earth that do not satisfy me. I'm tired of looking for my significance in other people and other things and success. 
and accomplishments. I'm tired of looking for even my significance in, in things that have your name on it, <laughs> that, that look like you and smell like you, but they aren't you. I've looked for hope and significance in the things of you, but not in you yourself. And God, would you bring me back to you? Would you bring my heart back to that connection where it's me and you, and I know you and I love you and I walk with you. God, keep my eyes focused. Help me to live out the purposes that you have for me, no matter what they are, no matter what they cost. Give me that peace that your scripture promises, that peace that surpasses understanding. I want that peace. We need that peace, Jesus, and and you're the only one that can give it in any lasting way. So thank you for water. Thank you for quenching our thirst, the deeper thirsts of our hearts. You are good. You are worth it. And for those of you who have never trusted in Jesus, before we get going, I just want to give you that chance right now. And it looks like this. All you have to do is say, Jesus, I want you as my savior. I want to walk with you. I want to trust you with with all my life. And so I believe that you are the son of God and that you died for my sins. And I put my hope in your death. And I believe that you raised from the dead and that I will raise with you one day and be seated in heaven with you. And I thank you for that promise. Sins are forgiven, guys. That is how this works. That is the gospel. It is why we don't have to strive, why we don't have to measure up, why we don't need to be enough. (laughs) I wanted to name this book, You Are Not Enough, because I feel like it's the opposite message I hear absolutely everywhere. And it's actually so freeing because deep down in our bones, we know we aren't enough. We know we don't measure up. We need someone who measured up for us, and it's Jesus. And then he gives us everything we need to go accomplish amazing things for him, supernatural things for him. Not being enough is actually the greatest relief in the world because we receive his enoughness, his answer for the weaknesses and the sin that we have in our lives. We receive it and then he moves in this wild way through us to love people, to give other people what they need. I've watched it happen in my own life. I've watched it happen in people I love and and it's real and it's promised in this book. And you want this. You want to live a life this way. So come on, grab your friends, forward this right now to a few people, and let's imagine a life where the enemy does not have power, but we are living out in peace and patience and kindness and joy and self-control the purposes and the will of God in our lives without striving. Chloe here. And I just want to hop on here before you turn off your podcast app and ask you, will you leave a review if you've enjoyed listening today? You guys, you feel like family, even though you're on the other side of your AirPods or your computer, your radio, however you're listening. We just love hearing from you. And the reviews are the best way for us to do that. So if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, you can go subscribe, rate the podcast, leave a review. It is how people find us on iTunes. We feel like we've been able to meet a few of you just through your reviews. So thank you so much if you've left one already. And if you haven't, today is the day. Okay. But y'all, we have so much more coming this season and we're so grateful that you're joining us for these 12 weeks. So we'll see you next time for another episode of the Made for This podcast. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. 
Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.